Hello and welcome to episode three of the Spirit Cabinet. Now, originally episode three was an interview, fantastic interview with medium Carolyn Wilkins, where we discussed everything from trance, Akashic piano trance healing, mediumship, spiritualism. It was phenomenal. And unfortunately, there was a glitch with the recording system and the entire thing was lost. I was somewhat upset and I didn't want to re-record it right away because I was afraid it would just sort of lose its natural organic magic that the original conversation had. So we're going to put that off and revisit Carolyn a little bit down the road and hopefully we won't have the same technolo- technological issues. Uh, so what I decided to do for episode three was to discuss optimizing our mediumistic growth. So when it comes to our growth and unfoldment as a medium, we kind of have to think of our development as a stool with three legs. One leg is the theory, and that can include things like the uh, philosophy, the mechanics, the nuts and bolts of how things work. There's the practice. You know, you can read about uh, building a car all day long, but you're not going to get the car (laughs) uh, into reality unless you actually put those things into practice and start building the car. And then there's personal development. And personal development are those aspects of our soul that we are consciously aware of the strengths, the pitfalls, the flaws. Essentially, it's our self-work and our inner work. Because our personal experiences, as you have probably experienced, absolutely shape what and how things come through within our mediumship. And so the more that we know ourself, the more that we grow, um, the less of our baggage that we're carrying around, the more references spirit has to use, the less hurdles spirit has to jump over to get things through to us. And so when we conscientiously work on all three of those areas and sort of evenly space our focus and our effort amongst all three of those areas, that's where the most quality is going to come through and the most achievement is going to come through in your unfoldment. So everybody wants to be a good medium, right? I mean, nobody wants to be a shitty medium. If we're going to do it, we want to be efficient at it. And I think that we can place most mediums into a few different camps. So There are those who are just abysmal, and it may be for various reasons. Perhaps someone is simply delusional, or um, perhaps they are putting in no effort. Um, You know, it's just really bad. Nothing, you know, nothing that they're saying, or very, very little of what they're saying actually has any relevance. Um, I think the majority of developing mediums fall into sort of two camps. So one camp is kind of fair, meaning they've got meh 
on average, like 40, 50% accuracy with what they're saying on a consistent basis. And then there's good mediums who, you know, on average could say that they're always kind of hitting between 60 and 90% accuracy. And where we want to be, we want to at least be in the good. But what we would like to achieve is being in the great or the very good, um, which is where we are hitting at least 70 to, you know, 90 some percent on a consistent basis. Nobody is ever going to be 100 percent ever. Um, And mediumship is obviously going to fluctuate. We're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But we want to be good to great, um, good on, on our worst day, great on our best day. You know, we want to be the best instrument for the spirit world that we can be. So I'm going to talk about some different things that you may, um, kind of encounter or develop, uh, pitfalls, things like that, that you're going to encounter in your journey of unfolding. So, um, the first thing that I want to talk about is power. So as you're going through your unfoldment, your practice, your development, you're probably going to hit different issues like struggling to hold a link. Maybe you can make the link, but you can't hold the communication for very long. Um, Or you may find that you could be really, really hot one day and then really, really cold the next, you know, we're having consistency issues. And oftentimes, that kind of boils down to power. So um, power is simply the ability to sustain energy over a period of time. So we're dealing with spiritual power. And most people, I think, who at least have an awareness of mediumship through a spiritualist lens are familiar with at least the concept of sitting in the power. And what sitting in the power is, is really just attunement and surrender to the spirit world, worlds within worlds, the divine mind, our own soul, and allowing that to sort of nurture us, um, And that kind of unfolds us. It develops us. Um, I kind of think of the analogy of, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever done any sort of like film development in a dark room, but, you know, you have your, um, you have your photo paper that has been, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's, it's been used. Okay. Your film strip or whatever, um, and you expose that photo paper to light and then within that exposure images develop so if you think of the spiritual gifts you have as the image on the photo paper the dark room as the necessary conditions such as sitting for spirit and the light as that divine source god the spirit world, however you want to view it, that's sort of the combination of things needed to sort of develop that picture. Or you could also use the analogy of your spiritual gifts kind of being a seed. 
And uh, as you water that seed and expose it to light via sitting in the power or sitting for spirit, that's going to allow that seed to blossom and unfold into the rose. So I'm not going to go into a full-on sitting in the power sort of guided process simply because I don't know um, if I'm going to be able to get through everything within the hour time frame that I have here. But what I will say is if you want to know more about this um, or if you want some recorded meditations, attunements, and people will argue whether or not sitting in the power is meditation or not, um, I will say it's an attunement, but it is a form of meditation. Um, Although not necessarily meditation in the way of simply calming the mind, although I do think that that is important for learning to know the self and to know our own spirit so we can recognize the presence of spirit outside of ourself, um, I, I would say I would classify it as a uh, kind of meditation. So if you're interested in some guided recordings or some guided meditations, uh, if you're not one who does well with long versions of meditation, there is a 10-minute version of a sitting in the power process that you can easily find on YouTube. It's a recording from Tony Stockwell. Um, If you are more comfortable sitting in meditative states for longer periods of time, Martin Twycross has a wonderful version that I think is around a half hour to 40 minutes long, and you can download that on his website. It's a T-W-Y-C-R-O-S-S. That's how you spell the last name. So you can go ahead and check that out. Now, as far as sitting in the power goes, I personally try to sit in the power every single day. Um, I tend to find that for myself, my meditation practices average about between 20 and 30 minutes a day. Although some days I can sit for much longer and there are some days where it's just not flowing that great, and so I'm not going to force it. Maybe I sit for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You have to find what's right for you because there is no cookie-cutter formula for development, um, and there are some mediums who don't sit in the power at all. So you really just kind of have to find what works for you and the right amount of what works for you. The next thing that I want to talk about in regard to developing is the importance of a development circle. Now, when it comes to development circles, you're usually going to find two types. The first type is an open circle, and the second type is a closed circle. Now, I think people will get the most benefit from a closed circle, but there are pros and cons to both. So um, with an open circle, there is no pressure for any degree of commitment. They're open to the public. You can come when it's convenient for you. Um, There's sort of a group meditation, usually followed by some sort of practices. And some of the benefits of that, besides the fact that you don't have to worry about making a huge commitment to a group is A, you can test it out, see if it's right for you. B, you're kind of exposed to different energies and it, it teaches you and kind of forces you how to get in and out of 
a, a variety of different energies and personalities very quickly. And, um, you know, there's, there's usually sort of a qualified, hopefully, qualified leader um, kind of taking you through the processes. So that's some of the benefits. Now, some of the downsides of an open circle are, one, no one's holding you to consistency. And I'm a big believer that consistency is key. Two, within an open circle, you have no control over who shows up. And that means that there's going to be a mix of all different types of personalities. If you've ever participated in an open circle, you're probably aware of the fact that you're going to attract some odd people. And a lot of times you're going to attract needy people and you're going to attract people who are just there to get a free message, that kind of thing. Uh, The other thing that's really important is for any sort of success to occur within a circle, you need the element of harmony, and you can't ensure that when uh, the numbers and personalities are constantly changing and inconsistent. Now, with the closed circle, usually you have to be invited in, and so because there is an invitation, there's usually agreement upon everyone there to allow you to be there, so that automatically, you're starting off on a better foot as far as ensuring harmony within the dynamics of the personalities within the circle. So you're already, like I said, on a good foot there. Now, what you're probably not going to get as much of is practical practice within a closed circle, um, at least in a message-giving sort of way. And I'm speaking in regards of uh, mental mediumship here. There's all kinds of circles, trance circles, physical circles, uh, healing circles. I'm talking about the development of mental mediumship, evidential messages. Because closed circles are usually smaller in number, and you really get to know these people because you're sitting with them week in and week out. And so there's only so far you can go with giving messages before you kind of become too familiar with those people and their loved ones. But I feel like it doesn't matter within a closed circle if the emphasis is put on the message work because you're gaining so much more by sitting with regular sitters repetitively in a committed way consistently than you would in a non-consistent environment giving messages regularly. You are adding so much fuel to your personal power and development within that, um, that to me, I personally don't think that it matters. And at the end of the day, people will, and I hear this a lot, and I've experienced this myself a lot growing up in kind of nowhere Midwest. I always hear, there are no circles around me. And that's, especially in the United States, totally to be expected. What I would recommend is starting your own circle. Now, a lot of people kind of get intimidated by that because they think, well, I don't know how to lead a circle. Even if all you did was find like-minded people to make the agreement and commitment to sit together once a week, sit in the power together, sit in the silence together, you're going to be miles ahead of where you would be if you didn't do 
that particular practice. And there are also, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a leader. You can find a workbook and, you know, maybe each you read those those workbooks together. Um, I always recommend Gordon Smith's Intuitive Studies book. It's my number one recommended book that I that I share in regards to mediumship. Um, Judith Rochester has a book called To Touch the Soul, which is basically a guide for, you know, that can be used for running a, a practice circle. Uh, it has all kinds of lessons and practices and things to do as a group. And then uh, Reverend Joanna Bartlett, um, I'm sorry, Reverend Joe Bartlett has a book called Spirit Circle Games, where, you know, each week after you guys sit in the power together, you can do some of the exercises as a group that are outlined within the book. So don't let not having a pre-established circle around you stop you from sitting in a circle. Now, I wanted to share a quote with you. And I'll try to, it, it's very long, so I'll try to just sort of abbreviate it, maybe not go into the whole thing. Um, but it's from Estelle Roberts, but after she passed, uh, through the, the vehicle of Leslie Flint's mediumship. Um, so if you don't know who Estelle Roberts was, she was maybe one of the greatest mediums to ever live, um, potentially the best medium of the 20th century, and um, just a fascinating person. If you want to know more about her, I'd recommend her book, 50 Years of Medium. Um, but anyways... If you don't know who Leslie Flint is, Leslie Flint was a direct voice medium. So he would sit in a darkened room and audible, tangible voices would come and communicate. And so um, this is what Estelle Roberts said during one of Leslie Flint's seances. And of course, this is her from the spirit side after she passed. She said, I only wish people would realize we all sat most of us for many years in home circles. It's only in the home circle that you can find the peace and the harmony and the tranquility that makes communication a reality. Mediums may be born, invariably they are, but it takes time to develop and you must supply the right atmosphere and condition. And yet I do know, of course, in my own case, at times in early years, it wasn't always possible to get the ideal conditions, but nevertheless, we stuck it out and we developed. You know, all of the great mediums of the past who were so dedicated, sat for years to develop their power. They didn't suddenly happen. And it's the guides that develop them. No one else can do it. If it hadn't been for Red Cloud, who, side note, is uh, Estelle Roberts' primary control, and of the other mediums had not had their particular guides or helpers to guide and instruct them and develop them, there would not have been the mediumship that we used to know. The basis of true spiritualism is in the home circle. And it goes on, but that's, that's the main essence of what she was saying. That's the main essence of the gist. Now, I also want to 
talk about some issues that we encounter in private readings. We've all had a session where we just bombed. It just didn't go well. And there's a few things that I've learned along the way that can kind of help I don't want to say ensure success because we can never ensure or guarantee anything, but sort of set the stage for success to be more likely. And the first thing I guess I would say around that is setting the stage. Oftentimes when we have a session that doesn't go so well, it's because we haven't educated our sitter in either how we work or how we expect them to conduct themselves or respond to us over the course of the sitting. So I always say, before I do any sort of reading, I always do what I call the preamble, which is, this is how I work. Um, This is how I receive my information. This is how I will try to describe it. Um, This is what I need from you. And for some people, it's Maybe I just want you to say yes or no, or I'm not sure. Um, you know, if I if I give a name, it doesn't have to be the name of someone who passed. It could be someone who passed talking about the living, so don't get caught up and names have to be the person who's communicating, or however it is that you work, whatever it is that you think is important for your client to know, or what you expect from them as far as their level of interaction. Some people like a little bit more interaction, but then you run the risk of... Um, either consciously or unconsciously fishing for information. Um, Some people don't really like any any validation at all. Um, So really just sort of managing expectations from the beginning can really just make the road ahead much smoother. The other thing is when we are in the flow and things are going right within a session, it adds to the power. It lifts us. It builds. We can feel the power and presence of spirit. We blend with it more strongly. And then sometimes, you know, our mind can come into the picture or we misinterpret something or sometimes we think we've misinterpreted something and we're actually right. It's just that the sitter doesn't know. Uh, But then we get that dreaded no word. And no I mean, you can just feel energetically, feel the difference between yes and no. When you hear no, it just kind of like, it's like a balloon deflating. It takes the wind out of our sails, rocks our confidence, the power drops. So a few things to keep in mind in regard to getting no's. One is don't assume the person knows what you mean. So if you say something once and you get a no, Think about maybe how can I simplify what I'm saying or rephrase it in, a, in another way that this person understands it. You know, maybe you say, um, you know, I, I've got your father here. His name was John. He used to work on cars and he was just very, you would understand him as very demonstrative. And they'd be like, no, maybe they don't know what demonstrative means. So maybe you have to say, okay, so you understand that this was his name. Your dad is on the spirit side. He did work on cars. Would you understand then that his personality was maybe very big or loud or that he talked with his hands and then it'd be like, oh yeah, that's totally my dad. Um, So be mindful of your wording and your phrasing. Sometimes 
you might not have given enough information yet and the person doesn't want to sort of give you the bone, you know, maybe they're waiting. It, it could be true. It is true, but maybe, you know, they're not so sure. Maybe you could have just figured it out. Maybe it was a lucky guess. So maybe they're looking for a little bit more. So don't, if they don't immediately understand, don't be afraid to go further out on the branch instead of backing up because the more you trust and go with that specific unusual thing, sometimes those are the things that end up being the most right and having the most impact. Sometimes we give too many pieces of information and we assume it's all coming from the same communicator. I always try to be mindful of this because I might um, have one communicator that I have a real strong connection with and maybe I'm talking to dad, but grandma is also moving in to that space of communication and maybe she had, I don't know, um, a blood clot in her leg. And so your awareness becomes a part, uh, aware of the part of the communication that she's kind of pushing into, where maybe she's using the blood clot in the leg to identify who she is as she comes in. But because you're so hyper-focused on dad, you assume that that blood clot goes to him. So don't try to group a bunch of information together and then look for your validation because three pieces of evidence could be for one communicator, two pieces of, of evidence could be another. The other thing, we're human, we're flawed, and though I always tell people, I am never wrong in my perception, but I absolutely 100% can be wrong in my interpretation. Because if I am feeling, if I know I am linked with spirit, I know I'm in the flow, I know I'm in the power, and I see something, I'm not just seeing it for my own health, I'm seeing it for a reason. So you're perfectly entitled to not understand it. Because I, I might have fudged what it's supposed to mean. But I know what I saw, and I saw it for a reason. And there are some times, hopefully not too often, but there are some times where you just have to say, I'm not sure, this is what I'm seeing, remember that this was said, maybe it'll make sense at a later date. And you'd be surprised how much, uh, how, how, how much of the time that when that does happen, they end up saying, oh yeah, you were right, or I totally forgot about that, or... Um, I didn't have any idea what you were talking about, but then I went home and talked to my mom and she validated what you said. You weren't, you weren't wrong. You're not crazy kind of a thing. The other thing is people, um, people can have a sort of a biased idea of their loved one. So for example, you could have two people come in and I could say to one, like, I have your grandma Lillian here and she's just coming through and she's so sweet and she's, you know, she, she's just, you know, she just seems angelic and, and, you know, just go on. And they could be like, yes, that was her. That's our personality. Then you could say that to somebody else in the family and they'd be like, oh no, 
she could come off that way to other people, but she was a total bitch. So we have to remember that how people are with us doesn't mean that that's how they were in general. Um, And different people may experience their loved ones in different ways. So just something to just something to to kind of keep in mind. Now, when it comes to, I guess, public demonstrations or what we see a lot of as platform work is, I think the first thing that happens is, um, well, I guess maybe it is different for everybody. I can say that for me, no matter no matter how many times I do platform, and granted, it's not my main focus. I am, you know, ninety percent one to one sittings. But but for me, no matter how many times I do it, I always get super nervous beforehand, um, and that's okay. We want to be we want to be excited. Nervousness is a form of of being excited, because that's high energy and we want to be high energy. I think one mistake that people make a lot is, you know, they have this idea that they have to sit and get quiet and still their mind and meditate for 30 minutes before they go up on platform. Well, sometimes we can be too passive. Mediumship is active. The mind has to be passive enough to catch the information but active enough to support the higher vibration, that state of consciousness that we're in to link with the spirit world. You know, this is why I recommend um, not going into deep states of meditation. I'd recommend maybe five minutes of attunement, but I wouldn't go real deep and get too passive before something that's a little bit more high energy like a group or platform demonstration. Um, the other thing too, I, which I think is kind of interesting, is when you're working in a in a group setting versus one on one. You know, when you're working on one on one, you really have to rely on your power. You may draw a little power from the sitter, but if your power isn't developed, then you know you're you're going to be at the mercy of what you can sustain. However, remember, if you have a group of people, that's a collective pool or ocean of power for you to draw on. And so the more engaging you are with your audience or with your congregation, the more lively you are, the more excited they are, that's just high energy for you to draw off of to really get a strong, sustainable link with the spirit world going. And that requires, I think, um, you know, just sort of being aware of several factors. So um, one, I think it's important to know the space if you can ahead of time to get there early to eliminate any sort of stress so you can be in sort of a calm state of mind so you're you know you're not um worried or whatever the case may be stressed out i think that um we need to be aware of our time different places require different sort of expectations of their mediums 
Um, I know in Lilydale, if you demonstrate at Forest Temple or the Stump, I I believe that they want you to hit about um, three three links within maybe eight minutes. Um, if you are at maybe Camp Chesterfield, I, I would say anytime that I've been to Camp Chesterfield and I've watched their mediums work, their messages are about two to three minutes per link. Um, in the UK, it's normal for links to be longer. Um, it wouldn't be uncommon, I, I would say, for a 10, 12-minute link. But again, these are mint, these are messages, not full-blown readings. Um, the other thing, too, is it should be up to spirit where you go. So be mindful of how you are finding your recipient. One of the things that uh, Gordon Smith said one time in a lecture is he would always start at the back of the room because, he, you know, we're extending our auric field when we do something like that, when we're doing that work. There's always an expansion of the auric field anytime we're opening to spirit. And so when you automatically start at the back of the room, you're drawing power from all of the participants sitting in all of the rows before the very last row. So you're starting on high juice. And then that also demonstrates to people that anybody can potentially get a message. Because I've seen a lot of mediums work where maybe they decide, oh, that person looks cool. Let me, let me tune into them and we'll, then we'll go to spirit. Uh, and so they usually find, you know, someone within the first couple rows that draws their attention for whatever reason. And they tend to, or if their power isn't like super developed, um, maybe their, their awareness doesn't even extend too much beyond the first couple rows. And so what happens is if, if one particular area of the room or the church is getting the bulk of the messages, other people get bored. And if your audience is getting bored, their attention is going elsewhere, the power drops. So not only do you have to be aware of that, sometimes, you know, maybe you need to be lighthearted. Sometimes you need to insert a joke because if you can, if you kind of feel like that audience slipping away, or if you're going too long with, with one contact and people start to get bored, um, then you can maybe sort of interject a joke, get get some laughter, some levity in there, and all of a sudden power shoots up again and you feel like you get your second wind. So keep that in mind. Now, one thing that I am guilty of, and it's such a hard habit to break, but if you don't start this bad habit from the beginning, you don't have to break it. Um, so don't make the same bad habits that I've made, but it's what we call stacking. So what would happen is anytime if I was in a, in a class or a development workshop or a development circle or whatever, and it came time to do message work, and I knew that I was going to be taking platform, what would happen is say that there were two people ahead of me. Well, what I would do, and I think what a lot of people do if we're honest with ourselves, is while the first medium to go is giving the link, giving their, their contact, I'm tuning into spirit 
and looking for my first communicator. Now, there's a couple reasons why that can bite you in the ass. One is because there's no guarantee that someone ahead of you isn't going to get to that communication first. And so you're like scanning, scanning the room, feeling, feeling the atmosphere around you. And you're like, okay, I got a man here um, and he's showing me this about himself. And I know that he's looking for a daughter and he always wore, you know, a, a silver watch. And you're like, okay, I've got my few p- good pieces of information to start with. So I feel safe and comfortable. And then the next thing you know, the person who is currently on platform takes that link or picks up on that spirit, and then you're like, oh, shit, now i got to start from scratch. Second thing is, just because you pick up on that soul in that moment doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna, they're going to be with you when it's your turn to demonstrate. Oftentimes they are, because if they were there uh, and their, their uh, energy, soul, spirit was loud enough to kind of get your attention, they want to communicate, but if, they're, if they aren't, when you get up there and you're just repeating an experience that you had five minutes ago, that's not mediumship. Mediumship is a live, in-the-moment, three-point connection. You, the recipient, and the communicator. And so if the communicator's not there and it's just you and the recipient, you're just regurgitating an experience from the past. And that's not fair to the communicator and that's not fair to your recipient. So don't stack. It's a bad habit, but it's a hard habit to break. Um, So that's what I would say. That's what I would say around that. Other things that can just eliminate some frustrations, move if you're feeling stuck, take, you know, pause, take a drink of water, relink. Sometimes I think of mediumship like a Wi-Fi router when your internet's acting screwy unplug it for 10 seconds, plug it back in. Um, but again, how quickly you work, how long you can can work, um, the clarity and specificity in a group situation like that is probably going to be dependent upon the power that you develop, which leads us back to why sitting in a circle on a regular basis is a good thing. Now, uh, I was going to go into some other things, but I actually think I'm going to save that for a part two. I think I'm just going to leave this as a part one because I know that we covered a lot of things very quickly and I don't know if I'm going to be able to quite squeeze everything in and I don't want to leave. I mean, there's a million things we could talk about um, and I'm sure no matter how long this this would let me record for, I'd still think, oh, I should have talked about this or that. Um but this is just sort of a brief overview of some helpful things that I have found. So I think I'm going to leave it here. And my intention for the next episode is going to be an interview. And so kind of what's been happening is it sort of seems like the pattern that's developing is information, episode, interview, information episode and my intention for the next one is an interview so maybe that's the pattern that's going to develop here we'll have to see I do have some really interesting people kind of lined up and I'm excited to talk to them and we're definitely going to get Carolyn back but um, yeah I think I'm going to leave it 
there. Uh, as always, if you have any comments, questions, uh, don't hesitate to get a hold of me. All of my information is going to be in the description below in whatever format this podcast is uh, reviewed in, you know, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Anchor, whatever it may be. Um, I'll try to include as much information as possible. So I thank you. Um, I hope that you enjoyed or found a few things helpful and we'll be back within hopefully a week or so with a really exciting interview for you. Take care.